0: Let's get off together. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I am here with someone I've known a very long time. We worked together in New York City for years. He was my boss uh, at the restaurant that I worked at. And, uh, now we're good friends and we have connected on a lot of levels and I am really excited to bring to you guys, Russell Barlow. How are you doing today, Russell?
1: Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm
0: great. I'm great. It's so weird to say how you doing today, (laughs) because this is going to be so after the back, but I wanted to talk to you about a bunch of things. You are one of the few people that I know that didn't experience, um, and are of, of of languishing of stagnancy in the pandemic. And you're also one of the people that I know in my life that has experienced uh, an, an an element of waking up. And I know, and I've come to understand that that has to do with you being diagnosed with bipolar two, which happened. What year was that? 2018. And I would love for you to talk more about that and and the process of what all was happening at that time in your life and how that all, how that started for you, that you were able to go and get that, that information about yourself that helped you to start moving in this path.
1: Sure. It was, um, well, I had been working in Times Square um, in a very, what I didn't know at the time was such a toxic environment. I mean, I, I, I had clues. Um, but you know, when you're so in it, in the middle of it, um, you're just trying to get through every day. You're Mm -hmm. just, I got to go in and get through this. Um, and in 2018, um, and I'd say like at the beginning of the year, um, probably 2017 going into it, um, hell, I'll probably even go back to 2016. Um, I was just just masking everything, drinking and drinking and mm-hmm. any, if I could get my hands on a drug, I would, I would, I, speed was my like flipping Coke I was all over. Um, and just anything to mask it, anything, anything to mask that I was unhappy. Um, And every year my friends and I go on this vacation. Um, You know this, I know I've told you about it. This is our our ninth year to go, um, will be this year. Um, This this
0: is your friends that you know from the late
1: 1900s? Yes, from from the (laughs) late 1900s, yes. (laughs) You
0: have to throw that in there. That This is how Russell describes the 90s, the late 1900s. It's
1: it's the late 1900s. I mean, it is. (laughs) It is. is. I'm not wrong. I graduated high school in the late 1900s. Um, and so we went on that trip that August. Um, and, and leading up to that, I knew something was wrong. I, I knew something wasn't right. Um, Cause I was, I mean, I was drinking to blackout almost every night. Um, and that feels so wonderful the next morning, let me tell you. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing, like, you're hot all day sweating. It's so gross. Um, and we were on that vacation, and I just one night we were all in there. And I mean, I was hitting it hard, hitting it hard, hitting it hard. And the next day, I didn't want to be around anybody. Um, and what I know now, I was in a deep depressive state um, because it manifests differently for everybody. Right. Um, people always think of depression as you're asleep, you you can't get out of bed, um, which is part of it. But then there's an anger part of it. There's a, you know, I can get up every day and be a highly functioning, depressive person, really. Um, but anyway, um, and at one point in that trip, I was actually lying in bed. And I don't talk about this much. But I was like, I this, I, I don't need to be here anymore. I was like, this is I don't like this. I. It would just be easier if I, I was not here. Um, mm-hmm. It's the only time I've ever thought that. And it scared the shit out of me. Um, and anyway, I one night we were drinking, drinking, drinking. And the next day when I didn't want to do anything, I finally got myself out of bed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet them at the bar across the street, you know, just to hang out. And I think I had had so much to drink. I didn't want to, I didn't want to drink the next day. Right. Because I was like, I feel sick to my stomach. i want to throw up and i sat there and i mean these are friends i've had for you know 20 plus years um and they just looked at me and they were like are you okay what's wrong i was like no i'm fine i do that all the time and they were just like nope nope it was different yeah it was different but and i knew it. it was different oh god yeah oh god yeah. i mean when people know you like that it's you know it's, it's a whole new level of knowing someone um that's not family and I made an appointment like literally almost right after the trip I made an appointment I might have gone to see my doctor and she asked if something was wrong and then she told me how to find a doctor which psychologytoday.com it's the best way to find a therapist a psychiatrist whatever you need um so of course it took august september october i didn't go until october because that's how long it took to actually see somebody
0: that's new york course yeah, that, and that's the one thing i hate about new yes. york is that you can't if you need to see a doctor like if i need to go to the gynecologist and i don't have one readily available even if i do it's it's months away <laughs> you know yeah. you can't by the time you get your referral and then you make an appointment and then you deal. So this, and, that, and I that, think that like new-
1: what could have happened in that two months?
0: Right. You're, or, this is, this is your mental health. I mean, this
1: is as like serious I needed help. Yeah. Um, so I go in October and I went and saw a psychiatrist and I sit down. Um, he's still my psychiatrist, actually. Um, he's trying to force me to change since I've left the 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 state the the state I was gonna say the country but the state um but he he's weaning me off of him um anyway and I just sat down in front of him and I I was just this broken person I was just like depressed lunch jokes you know slouched um and he goes why are you here like I not like that not as nasty as I just made it but why are you here? You know, I prescribe medication. Well, what are you doing? And I started saying how I was feeling and blah, blah, blah. And he literally, it was almost like he took a book, a college tech, like a psych 101 textbook, opened it. He didn't physically do this, but it's like he did it.
0: And yeah. he just started
1: asking questions, like did did, and I was like, yes, 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 no, yes, yes no, I only had like two no's in there. And he goes, yeah, you're like textbook bipolar too. And I, I like started crying. I was just like, there is something wrong.
0: Yeah. Like finally I have an answer. I have an answer to this.
1: leading up to that, I had been reading books, you know, about it. And I will ever, ever, ever be so grateful. And I wish I could have found this girl before I left um, from the Strand. And I was in the Strand bookstore in the bottom Level and you know how much I love the Strand. Um, I was mm-hmm. on the bottom, yeah. And you know what's on the bottom level? It's all the self help and psychology yeah. and mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. And I was just standing there, lost. And this girl walks up and she goes, "Um, what are you looking for?" And I, I told her, I just literally told her what was going on. And she goes, "Oh, this book," and pulled it off the shelf and handed it to me. And I can't remember the name of the book. And I will email it to you as soon as I look it up. Um, but anyway, I read this book and then I read um, Patty Duke's book, which was actually Call Me Anna. It's actually a really good book. Um, so I read all these books and I was self-diagnosing in my head, but when he said it, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is something. And he immediately started me on medication and um, not a doctor but I think, me, not a doctor, but I think there's a place for medication. And I think a lot of chemical imbalances need it. Um, And when you start medication, obviously you start at the lowest dose and they step you up on it. Um, And funny story, you'll enjoy this one. So I was with um, our GM, we were setting up a banquet, like, cause I went to the appointment then I had to be to work. And so I was late that day. And So you know, everybody knows
0: a banquet is a, is a large party oh, of, they can be up to yes. 200 people. We work together. We'll talk more about, about yeah. that after, but go ahead.
1: So, so funny, funny segue or not even segue, but a funny offshoot. So I was telling her what the diagnosis was and she and I are super, super good friends. Um, so I talk about everything with her and, we were setting up and, you know, we were setting up the fork and knife and doing our thing. And I I told her, you know, I'm starting medication and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what's going to happen. And she goes, so when does that kick in?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you guys don't know this woman. I mean, (laughs) there's not a lot of beating around the bush with her. You know, she just says what she wants to say, you
1: know? No, there's not. So, I mean, if that tells you anything about how I was behaving at work, um i was there cuz that oh yeah and i mean that place was such a trigger for me it was such a trigger and yeah um, i think
0: something and that's worthwhile to to note is that and we can go back to it but that a lot of us that are that that were in that environment and when i say people don't understand how toxic it was i i can't illustrate to you enough how toxic it was for every individual but People will be like, oh Andy, you just bitch about your job. No, no, no. It was very bad. Um, but every person yeah. that I know that stayed in that environment for so long, there was an underlying issue. Because if if you to stay in that environment so long, there is something else going on for, for you not to have that that value of yourself. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I, I, I remember how you were there, and it's it was so it was so obvious that
1: there was something else
0: and I had something else. I mean, we all had something else.
1: A lot of us, a lot of us, not all of us, but. And and I mean, I, I learned after the fact that I had a lot of rapid cycling going on there. And if, if anybody doesn't know what rapid cycling is in bipolar two, it's where you can have, you can be happy as a lark at one second and one thing can set you off and you can just be angry or upset or dwell on it. And then two hours later be fine and be perfectly happy. And it can go on all day long and you can't control it. And Mm -hmm. I was having a lot of that. Um, So, because there were so many triggers there. Um, And then, you know, I worked for a while and we would, you know, we stepped up my medication, stepped up my medication. And then I don't, there was just one day I was standing in there and I just looked around and I was like, I'm not fucking happy. The shit man. And I started looking for another job cause I was like, I gotta get out. I, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, I was also reading at the time. Um, I can see it from here on my shelf. You are a badass. Um, Everybody
0: tells me to read that book. I have to get that Jensen
1: Jen book. it's it's a really good book. Um it's a really good book. And at the same time, um I guess I can say Kim, it's a pretty generic name. Um, um but she was reading You Are a Badass at Making Money. Oh, and wow. which is her second book. And one day she just goes, Something's different about you and we just started talking and that was another thing I was like if people can physically see this or you know see it in the open um yeah and that then it's working (laughs) the medication's working um and that was really I feel like my first step to just stepping out of it one that toxic environment and two making a a shift in my thinking, which I had never done before because now all of a sudden I had a clarity that I didn't have before. Yeah, and I, I started my new job and you know th- things just got better. And um, that's when I really was making a change in the way I was thinking. I was drinking far, far less because what I learned was I was just self-medicating you know, starting to go to therapy and seeing some, because I saw a therapist and a psychiatrist, that um, I was just self-medicating because I would I would get not m- manic, manic, but hypomanic states, which is you're manic, but you're not so manic as in bi- like with bipolar one where you're hallucinating and you're, um, I, I mean, I was staying up. Late at night and doing weird shit, but um, it, it's not the, the worst kind of mania. It, it's more of a sedated type, if, if you can say that. And I was masking that with, with drinking and everything else. Once I realized that's what it was, um, you know, I tapered that back and I, I don't know. It was just sort of a revelation, maybe.
0: So when you, I, speak. cause I, I talk about this a lot with myself and it's interesting to hear it in you, but for everybody that's listening, could you maybe talk about how to know that you're doing that? Like, how do you, how does, how can a person that might be listening to this, that might think that they are doing that behavior of masking something with alcohol or binge eating or something, how would they, what is the, the indicators I mean, when, when do you realize that it's at that level? Or did you?
1: Um, I didn't until after the fact. Okay. Um, like I really didn't because I couldn't recognize it. Um, and it really took, it took me reading a lot, <laughs> reading a whole lot of, of just information on bipolar two. One of, one of the best books, and I've actually bought this book time and time again because I've given it to people. Is um, less than crazy, and it's less than crazy living fully with bipolar two. If you have any thought that you might be, it, it's that book is such an amazing one. Um,
0: so with bipolar two. One, uh-huh. because you, you were talking about unlike bipolar ones. So are there any things that you can just briefly tell everybody about the differences, the differences between the two and, and the main things, the main, um, I don't want to say symptoms, but symptoms for you besides rapid cycling, which you already talked about. Um,
1: I call bipolar two bipolar light. And okay. <laughs> I do. I do. Like, bipolar well, light. Bi, 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 bipolar light. Um, you know, It's like Coke Zero. (laughs) Um, um, They're just more subdued. This is what I've learned from from the two, because I've read books about both. Um, What I know, and I've never experienced bipolar one, um, it's just more subdued. Like you can actually see that it's happening. For me, I'm not gonna speak for everybody. Um, Whereas bipolar one, it is such an extreme that the person knows something's going on but they can go into like hallucinatory states with their mania. And then the depression can be so, so, so very low that they're not literally not leaving the house or things like that. It, it's just such a more extreme that uh, sometimes it requires hospitalization. Um, mm-hmm. And bipolar light um, doesn't necessarily, um, you know, like so I being can a be a functioning
0: deport- alcoholic, you know, like you can, you yes. go through your days and people, people, you know, and I think that's a, that's something that we need to talk about as well. In a good segue, is that we need to talk about the stigma because the stigma against mild symptoms of everything—alcoholism, mental health—I mean, everything. If it's if you're going to, if you're turning the wheel, you don't have a problem. That's how society views it. And mm-hmm. I want to know wh- what your views are on it and and what you what steps you think we need to take in that direction to get well. To- I mean, it,
1: especially with bipolar. Most people with bipolar one and, and two, or I, again, I know more about two, um, you're, you're highly, highly functional, highly functional. Because when you get in that hypomania, which can last weeks, you're, just, you're functional, you have all these ideas. Um, granted, a lot of them you don't follow through on um, because you'll start one thing and then realize that you want to do something else. Um, that's why it can be misdiagnosed. Bipolar two is very, very mis- misdiagnosed. I was very, very, very fortunate that I just happened to find a, a good psychiatrist. I, I just happened to find one. Um, cause it gets my misdiagnosed as ADHD. It gets misdiagnosed as just anxiety disorder, which most of the time you have anxiety disorder, with the bipolar um and and so I don't even know where I was going with that um yeah we mental may health, need to mental back health up to what stigmas, your question was.
0: um functioning I, in society one
1: I just think people need to talk about it more because when we were talking about this podcast and, and what you know you, you even said to me I, I don't know if you wanted to I didn't know if you wanted to talk about, you know, bipolar two or whatever. And I said, yes, because it's the main reasons that I'm making all these changes and shifts in my thinking. Um, but no, we don't talk about mental health enough. And I'm so thankful that it's becoming popular right now Mm -hmm. because it is, it's, it's becoming popular. Um, And I'm so, so thankful, and it's especially during the pandemic, people realized that they were fucked up in the head, and because they finally stopped and were able to be with themselves, and I think that's why a lot of people had such a hard time with it, honestly.
0: I I Um, agree 100%, and I wanted you to talk about your experience through COVID. You have since changed jobs. You've moved to a new state you bought a car, you live in a brand new, beautiful apartment complex with, I mean, you've just changed your whole life. And I mean, a lot of people, uh, that is not the typical story. I was talking about the, the New York Times article with you briefly before we started this about languishing, the stagnation and the emptiness that a lot of people felt. And you didn't experience that. And I would love for you to tell me more about your experience through the pandemic and also, and also How do you think that your mental health now plays into that versus maybe somebody
1: that hasn't addressed what's going on? Um, well, during the the pandemic, let's let's see. I one, I wasn't alone. I I had a roommate. Um, I also wasn't afraid to leave my house. I I would leave and be outside and you know it was March in New York, it was beautiful. Um, for the first time I wasn't going to work in the service industry, which is such a grueling, grueling industry. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I have time right now to kind of read, think about things. I, I connected with friends more than I've ever, ever connected with friends. Um, like staying on FaceTime for hours at a time, um, so i i don't know it it was such an opportunity to for me to take a a little time and and think about things and um really realize i've not been taking care of myself um mentally physically um yeah it's i mean not that i took care of myself completely physically during the pandemic please i was eating like shit. i was cooking (laughs) Crap all the time. Um, oh my god! You know, I I have happy hour zooms with friends. Um, but you know what so- though? I,
0: I we have a lot of. I know that a lot of people that we both mutually that we know mutually listen to the podcast, and mm-hmm. I my clients don't work in the hospitality industry but i think the hospitality industry as a whole can be a really great lens to look at how society is operating because in the pandemic i also had time to slow down to read to think which i attribute to a lot of my own success and the hospitality industry is is re- is a really great way because when you're in it you never stop like you you go to work and your no. brain goes in a circle the whole day, and you never ever pause. And it's it's one of those things where you you don't realize you don't realize that that's even happening to you until you can stop. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Americans in general are obsessed with this model of constant motion. And, yeah, and I don't, and I think it's, it's so interesting to hear about the pause for you and the way that you, you started reading more than you already were reading and how you can just take a minute. Um, also during the pandemic, you did, you started meditating during the pandemic and you started using calm.
1: Yeah. Well, I I started using calm because that was also a time where, um, again, people were talking about mental health and people were talking about loneliness and, and it was just c- coming out in, in such a way. And American Express um, sent me a thing and they are like, we're giving you a, we're giving a free year of calm to anybody that wants it, free year of calm. So I was like, hell yeah, one of them is free, it's for me, I'm doing it. Um, so I, I did it and, you know, i um, in the You Are a Badass book, she talks a lot about meditation and, and everything. So um, yes, I've slowly gotten more into it. And um, it, it's hard for me. Meditation is hard for me because my mind goes in about 10,000 directions. And, um, but the more I do it, the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. And which is anything, that's anything in the world. Um, but yes, I started meditating and it has held leaps and bounds. Um, yeah, it's the Calm app. If, if, if you, it's worth every flip penny that I didn't pay for it. So, um, (laughs) I have,
0: I have paid for it and I will say, I will say it is,
1: how much is it?
0: I think it's 69 bucks a year. It's like chump change. And That's it's nothing. like...
1: That's nothing. An
0: insight timer is another great one. Would you agree that we as a society need to work on taking more pauses in order to be able to
1: see? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I can't be the only person that was happy that they were able to take a step back. I can't be. There's There's no way um yeah there's no way that that's all i'll say um but this time also and i'll just go into the move um when i wasn't i did return back to to work for a very brief time um for about it was exactly four weeks and it was literally they needed someone to go and open um, uh, location upstate. Okay. And this was also part of the reason I wanted to get out of the, and, um, the service industry. Um, I went, did it for four weeks and I mean, worked my ass off cause it was an opening. You've done store openings before. If nobody's okay. ever opened a restaurant, it's painstakingly horrible. Um
0: it is, it really is. It's long. It's 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 overwork, you're yeah. underpaid. I mean, I don't yep. think people realize what 15 hours a day on your feet feels like. Like it's it's a lot. No. <laughs> like it's it's a lot for they a don't. human.
1: They don't. Um and so I I was out and people were guests were just not people. I'll just say people aren't nice to servers, they're not nice to service people at all. They're very entitled. It's when they're hungry, they're even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I just spent four weeks kind of get beat up a little bit and I finally, um, listen, and then I got laid off again. Um, and how I got laid off. I was waiting for the train in the grueling summer in Hudson Valley, New York, where the train is above ground (laughs) because it's Metro North or something. Um, Pouring sweat, had just left the restaurant, smelled like the restaurant, stunk, had on jeans because I had forgotten to bring shorts to change into. And I got laid off. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? I just did all this stuff and I'm completely can just be replaced or gotten rid of. And that was a huge shift too. Um, so I got laid off the second time. Um, and so come January, I had a little time left on my lease. Uh, well, at a, at a point when I had six months left on my lease, I said, okay, I need to figure this out. I, I need to figure out where I want to go. I need to get a little closer to the family. My parents are getting older. And um, so I made a decision. I have a couple of friends here in Austin and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to move to Austin. That's just what I'm going to do. It's a, a city I want to live in, in the South. Um, so I took a breath, I relaxed. And then in January I really started cause I had three months left on the lease. I just really started looking for a job. I really started making the moves to move. Um, and that was my decision. Um, I was scared. I was like, okay, well, I have to buy a car after not having one for 19 years. I have to get an apartment. I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. blah. Do I have the money? Um, And I just started doing it. I just was like, you know what? I borrowed some money. I just I'm very, very fortunate. I just went to my father and I was like, look, there's so much money I needed. I need to move. Mm -hmm. Um, Very fortunate. I know a lot of people don't have that. Um, And so I just did it. I I just was like, fuck it. I'm just doing it. Um,
0: And you didn't think too deeply about each and every, each and every intricate. little.
1: I just did it. I, I, well, I, Organize everything out. I,
0: I I'm watching put him it all down. you guys you guys don't understand. <laughs> he's he he blocks his hands like as if they're little blocks and he puts one after another. He's always done that.
1: I didn't so, realize I was doing it, but he
0: was doing it right now. I, I wish that y'all could see this, but this video is going nowhere. But
1: <laughs> he's doing it anyway. So I I I you know there there was this big picture thing. I I had to do all of this stuff. And this is just how I approach everything. And I was like, like I do everything. I said, okay, I got to break it down. And this is what I need to do. Um, And I just slowly figured out how to do everything. And I just did it. So I kind of made it a full-time job. My roommate would get up and get ready and do work. And I would get up with him. You know, I'd go to the gym and do my thing. And then I'd sit there while he worked and I would work looking you for jobs do. or yep. and I did it for like I mean I would do it like I'm not gonna say eight hours a day but I would do it for a good five or six hours and I would you know okay today's the day that I'm gonna get a quote on a mover and figure out this moving thing um because it's very hard to move out of a city because you I can't bet. just rent a U-Haul and park it anywhere.
0: Yeah. I don't even know um, how I would get my bed out of here. I was just planning on forfeiting the deposit and like leaving it. <laughs> I mean, if movers, I ever
1: go movers, honey, I will oh. never, ever, <laughs> ever in my life move again without mover or move period without movers. I'll never do it again. Um, but I, I do love was, what
0: you said about micro steps. I mean, just every day you were committed to doing a small action and, and that's important. That's
1: super important. I didn't feel like there was any other way to do it because I could either overwhelm myself, and then I wouldn't have ended up going. Because rents are cheap right now in New York, so I even was for a minute like, "Well, good God, we can rent this place for like a thousand dollars less than we're paid now." Because mm-hmm. um, COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally renting the building, renting out a thousand dollars less. Um, but yeah, I, I just said I, I'm doing it. This is what's happening slowly but surely did it, it, it just happened. Um, the move alone was such a, were so many moving parts. Cause I had to, I did it with a pod because it was a, a way to go across the country without paying gas fees or for these, without all these extras that would come along with it. And I called a friend in New Jersey and I said, um, can I borrow your driveway? to put a pod in it <laughs> for a day. I remember that. And she said, yes. Um, so then I rented a U-Haul, I hired movers. I, um, the movers came and loaded the U-Haul for me, drove it to Jersey, loaded it myself. It went to here. Um, and it got even more complicated here cause there was nowhere to put the pod in this around this apartment building. Um, so I had to hire movers here. Which it just turned out the delivery fee for the pod, like offset the movers or whatever, um, and had to get them to get the stuff here, but it was all worth it. Um, And I wanted to talk
0: about your move to Austin. You are now out of the hospitality industry and I, we- As of Sunday. That is amazing. You know, it, it's interesting. And I wanted to also talk about this since I have you on the podcast, because we're experiencing something now that we've never seen in America in that there is a massive shortage of jobs. I mean, well, not jobs, sorry, massive shortage of employees for hospitality and for a lot of jobs, but for hospitality. And you talked about your realization that you were 100% replaceable. Um, you and I have also worked with somebody that passed away and was replaced almost immediately. So you, so, you know, you know, in, in this mm-hmm. industry that in the hospitality industry, that you really, you really work yourself to death and can be replaced. And I just wanted to get, I wanted to hear more about how you feel about all of that and where we need to go for people to want to have these jobs again, because I think as your, your moment of, of waking up and was your moment of moving more into yourself and a lot of people that I worked with at that same job that we worked, we worked together at in Times Square, all left and all used the same language. I value myself too much to do this. But the service sector in America is huge and it, it, it affords the most jobs because manufacturing has kind of gone more by the wayside since, you know, over the last 30 years. So because it's such a huge sector and all these people are feeling like they have to leave because they're not valuing themselves. Obviously that means they're being undervalued. How do you, what are you, what are your feelings on this and what needs to happen?
1: I have very strong feelings about this because. Knew you would. I want to (laughs) hear. Well, you've seen some of this stuff I've been sending you and I've been posting on Instagram. Um, They haven't changed their mindset. Hostility industry has not changed their mindset. I had a job lined up moving here had a job. Um, I interviewed a gazillion times cause you have to talk to five or six people. It's so asinine, um, had the job, got it, whatever. Um, get here, had a start date. Cause I, I said, I'm giving myself time to get settled and do what I need to do. And then I'll start. So I, One in the negotiation process, uh, I'll tell you all the red flags, the negotiation process. I set a range, a salary range. They came in 2000 under that range. This is what we can pay. And it was below what they had advertised in the ad, like far below what they said their peak was. And I wasn't even going for the peak. Um, Came in 2000. So I said, Okay. I looked at their health insurance. I looked at all this because health insurance is very important to me. Um, looked at all that and I said, you know, my copays are going up. I'm not, no. So give me 2,000 more. Right. Just give, which was basically, give me what I asked for.
0: And also, I just want to pause the hospitality industry mm-hmm. notoriously provides crappy health care for employees. Is it, that's correct, right? I, I'm not alone um, in thinking this.
1: For hourly, yes. For managers, you get good choices, but you pay for it and you pay 400, maybe $500 a month.
0: That's a lot of money for, I mean, and I remember the coverage at, at, at the, the job that we worked at, it was an 80, 20. I mean, my mother has blue cross blue shield, you know, a hundred percent, you know, but I, so i think that a lot of people don't realize that about the hospitality industry a lot of people that work at at, at office jobs for different companies don't realize that. <laughs> you know employer contributions in hospitality are, are are crap even when they're good but
1: and and if you choose and i always choose the best plan there is um you pay for it mm-hmm. you you pay for it it's right. a lot of money um but back to the the, the job back the, the to- high- Oh, yeah, yeah, so um yeah i I was like okay i I fought for two thousand dollars, now, what is that when you get it out to a year um what is it two, I'm gonna do the math Less. on a calculator right in front of me <laughs>
0: it's you have a calculator
1: Thirty-eight. I always do thirty eight dollars and forty six cents a week that's what I fought for, and do you know what they said um yeah, well, so the hiring person, okay, well, I discussed it with so and so whoever they had to discuss it with. And he said, um, you better work hard for it and be worth it.
0: For $38 a week,
1: $38 and 46 cents a week. Red flag number one. Um, Then I get here, I have my first meeting, you know, zoom meeting, going to talk about my schedule. Um, This is another thing that the hospitality industry needs to change. And they don't, understand they need to change Um, my schedule. You know, they gave me my very first schedule at split days off, which it's very, very hard to get two days off in a row in the hospitality industry.
0: Also, you're contracted for at least 50 hours a week.
1: Whereas 50 to 55 is the minimum. They say you must work 50 to 50 at five hours a week. So split days off my very first week. I And on those split days, I closed on a Friday night, had a Saturday off, and then opened on a Sunday. And if anybody knows, you get off at 2 something in the morning. The next day, you're going to sleep till 11 or 12 um, because you're wired when you're off and you're up till 4 or Mm 5. Then have that day, then need to go to bed early so you can be to that opening shift at 8 a.m.,
0: it really fucks That's- your circadian rhythms to hell. I mean, like, and you and I are, are yes. healthy people. Like we exercise, we eat right. We're taking care of ourselves, you know, because both of us experienced something. And I don't want to, you know, chase back to the beginning of the podcast, but before you were diagnosed with bipolar two, and before I went through all of my different things, we just thought that was, that was fine. That, that It's just fine to beat your body to hell like that. It, and never thought about the and fact if- that a human needs a sleep schedule. We, we yes. can, we you can't yes. think properly. So yeah, this is another thing about, the, about that industry is that it, it defies what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Mm-hmm. The first question my psychiatrist asked me every single month, are you sleeping? First question out of his mouth every single month. Anyway, so, so that was my first schedule. And then in that meeting, I said, okay, well, when does my schedule come out? when do I know? When do I know when I'm working? I usually fry Thursday, Friday, Saturday for Monday. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I was just flabbergasted after that meeting. I was like, are you fucking serious right now? I went and filled out my paperwork and I literally the next day was just like, I'm, I'm not doing this. No, no. I'm not doing this. I don't care how much money or, or whatever. I'm not doing this. So I just told him, no, no. no. Um, and it was interesting. I pulled into the parking lot. Of course, I was early and I was 30 minutes and I was sitting there in the parking lot and I got a call for an interview for something else in the parking lot. And I was like, yeah, this is a sign. I can't do this. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not risking my mental health. So then I just kept applying for jobs, applying for jobs. Um, And and then I got another job in in the service industry, Um, but I kept holding out. I was like, something else is gonna come along and I'm going to be able to get out of it. Um, And then boom, literally last week, um, I got a call for a job um, took it, took it on, I signed papers Monday. Um, and they were like, okay, well, you know, it's 40 hours a week. Um, you know, you can be off Saturday or Sunday, or you can be off, you know, Sunday, Monday, whichever one's easier for you. You can, you're just going to make your schedule. It's fine. Holidays off, you know, the pay was more than I asked for, and it, it was like, boom, wow, there's jobs out there where they don't force you to be there all the time. They don't force you to commit your life to being here. And and the service industry isn't changing that mindset and they're not changing it at all because right. they're um, – they they will guilt you into being there. I think you talked about that recently in one of your podcasts where you were saying, you know, it, it they guilted people into being short staffed, like as if it was your fault that there weren't yeah. enough managers or not enough hourly staff, um, and it's not. And they have plenty of they have
0: plenty of money for that. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. Yes. I want, and I'm glad that we're talking about this and, and because I don't talk about the hospitality industry, a lot of my podcast, even though it's such a huge part of my life because of two things. One, it's not really understood or uh, by, by others. So it, you know, it kind of has, it has stigma just as much as alcohol, mental health, everything else. But also mm-hmm. the second part of it is that a lot of us are conditioned to not talk about it. Um, we're not on LinkedIn. So like, I don't see people that are hospitality professionals on LinkedIn. I don't see people connecting with each other on LinkedIn. You're basically ostracized from every other sector of employment. And so now when we have this big crisis about there's not enough people wanting to work, people are wondering why. And everyone that's in it is like, okay, well, this is why we need to start talking about it because this industry, and maybe you can talk more about it. And I know that you've experienced it at a level that even I haven't experienced it where there's, there's from the very top, there's a fear tactic of, if you talk Mm -hmm. about this, if you mention this, I mean, even me recording this podcast makes me uneasy and I'm out of it. I mean, well, now I work two days a week bar yeah. for a guy that I know, you know, he's a nice guy. Right. But like, if you talk about this, something horrible will happen to you. And that's the way that we were taught to think. Now all these people won't work, rightfully. And everyone's wondering why. And intelligent people like us, I think, need to really start the dialogue. So I would love for you to, to piggyback off of what I just said, if you can.
1: Well, here, prime example, and, I, and I'm going to go back. Um When I quit the Times Square job, I gave a month, I I gave such a long notice. It was like a month and, I don't remember, and a half or something like that. It was something crazy. Um, And it was around a holiday that I was going to leave. I stayed for a certain reason, and I was going to stay through Black Friday, because I felt guilty for not working Black Friday. Um,
0: You felt guilty. Yes. That's a problem right there. That's a problem right there. You felt guilty for not working on Black Friday.
1: Hang on, it gets better. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, then, I'm ready.
1: Then when the reason why I didn't the reason why I needed to stay through Black Friday, because I was gonna do somebody a favor, um, changed. I changed my date. I was like, no, my last day is such and such before Thanksgiving. I was like, I'm gonna go enjoy my Thanksgiving and whatnot. I sent an email saying that 10 days later, I got an email from upper, upper, upper management saying what a shitty thing that was for me to do. And they said it in a much more professional manner. Um, Do I really want to go out like this? Blah, 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 for changing my date for, to not come back for one day. I was going to come back for one Black Friday to work just to help people out and they told me I was a shitty person for doing it
0: and how many times had you been like, told that you were a shitty person through the years
1: for <laughs> <laughs> in, in in a professional manner a lot um for, for coming, not coming in on days off and yeah it, it's crazy so yeah that's that's just the industry that's how people treat you and they haven't changed that mindset. They clearly have not changed that mindset. Um, and where I will you tell think that... you, go ahead. Sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but every, inter- and I've been on a lot of interviews. I applied for 150 jobs and I've been on a lot of interviews um, and I know, cause I wrote them all down. So I know exactly how many jobs I applied for. I don't doubt it in the interviews when they would say what's important to you i started the very first thing i said was work-life balance work-life balance i know that's why they turned me down for several jobs that i was way overqualified for Mm -hmm. um i could see them you know wince a little bit like because i i'm if you're in the hospitality industry long enough, you can read people like nobody's business. You can Oh yeah. read a person's face, you can I can see I can spot something across the room. Um you know, you've met every person that there is. And it's it's yeah. such a
0: and yet the skills of it and this is why I wanted to talk about this because no one's fucking says this. The skills are seemingly not translatable to other industries, but yet this you can't teach that skill. Flight attendants have it. People in hospitality have it. These are mm-hmm. people that you they depend on flight attendants for national security on airplanes because they can read a yeah. person like that. We have that skill, not translatable. Anyway, I, that was just nah. an aside. But you, so you were going on about your uh, you were talking about your your interviews and work life balance and how that's important. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. It's not too much I- to ask
1: think that's why I didn't get some of these jobs honestly because I I led with that and I've never led with that it was always oh well where I want to be in five years is with this company it's bullshit no nobody knows what they I don't even know what I want to do next year Um, yeah we need to start being
0: more honest about that we need to be honest I
1: I would call them out on that question because they they still ask it and I was like I can't believe I, I didn't say it like this but I would say, um, I think I actually said two of them. I said, that's not a fair question anymore. I said, nobody knows what they're gonna do. I said, a year from now, I said, if you'd have told us all last March that we would be locked in our houses, you would, you know, we would told you you were crazy. Um, And I said in the interviews, I said, if you'd have told me I'd be on a plane signing loan papers for a car, I would have told you you were nuts. I said, so it's not a fair question anymore. I said, I don't know where I want to be in five years. Um, And maybe that's why I didn't get some of the jobs. You
0: know what? (laughs) I think think it's about time that we start being realistic about, being realistic about this shit.
1: Absolutely. They're they're just not changing their mindset and, and they're blaming it on, I don't want to get political, but they're blaming it on enhanced unemployment and blah, 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 blah. I, I, I don't think that's hundred percent it. I, I think people are tired of being treated like shit and people are assholes when they go out. People are rude. People are horrible. I've had my life threatened over cold shrimp and a gratuity. I have had like, my life threatened. I have had my, life break.
0: I would encourage anybody. If you are in a situation where you feel stuck and this doesn't necessarily mean stuck in your job. This could be stuck in a relationship, stuck in, stuck in anything when you feel stuck, mm-hmm pause, because that's the only way that you're going to get the clarity. Because if we, we didn't have the opportunity. I think that's why people always say, especially with hourlies in the hospitality industry, you know, I stayed on the hourly side the entire time. And I, I knew that, that you had it way worse than we did, but on the hourly side, everybody says it's the money. It's the money. It's the money. It's not the money. It's not the money that keeps you stuck. It everyone thinks it's the money because the money Is cash in hand usually, and it's usually a lot for an eight hour, eight hours a day, whatever you get, you know, but it isn't really a lot. It's really not a lot of money. Um, We, you're, you're taught to think that it is, but what it really is that keeps you stuck is that this is a job where you can't do anything else while you're doing it. So you, you work in an office, you can be on your computer. You can answer your personal email. You can take a lunch hour. You can read an article on on the New York times while you're in between your meetings, you can multitask. This is an hour. This is a job that sucks your time for eight to 10 hours a day where you are not doing any thinking at all on your own. There is no space. And You are, and usually, usually from being abused by, by either your superiors or get, or, or guests, you, you medicate. There is, there's a Mm -hmm. substance abuse problem. Like I've never seen. And I know, I know that there are people that have worked in that industry that are listening to this. And I know that that's not, you know, maybe, I don't know how many, but I'll, I'll definitely when I, I'll definitely put it in the notes of the episode because I, I want people to hear it. You medicate. So you're spending eight to 10 hours in a rote thought process of task completion, followed by medication, followed by improper sleep because of the medication that you've done with alcohol, knocks you into deep sleep, no REM sleep. You wake up way too late, defying circadian rhythms. You do it all over again.
1: Improper nutrition. It was frowned upon to sit and have a meal, frowned
0: Frowned upon. upon
1: to eat. I you're have st- working
0: a 10 hour day stood up
1: and yes i've stood up and eaten so many times just standing there shoveling food in my mouth and yeah frowned upon to eat and, mm-hmm. and you're in a 10 on my end 10 13 hour shift you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's and and they haven't changed the mindset that's why people aren't going back to restaurants to to work it's They got to shift that mindset. You know, you you can't require, require people to work 50, 55 hours a week and not tell them their schedule. You can't do it. It it needs to change. Fucking hire more people, hire an extra manager. You can afford it. Don't tell me you can't because there were articles I've read where big restaurants said, no, we posted a profit last year in 2020. We posted a profit and, and In how do, they do it? In 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, the we're CEO, open for half the year. <laughs> the the <laughs> owner posted something on LinkedIn that said, yes, it's come, the, the industry's coming back stronger than ever. Um, where the, the locations we can be open, we're turning a profit. What he left out was that they were only bringing back two or three managers. They were having those managers work six days a week at 70% salary mm-hmm. and they weren't letting them have hourlies on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're turning a profit. Of course you are.
0: Yeah. Cause you're complete, abusing. It's completely abusive. Yes. It's completely abusive. And I, I do, I do want to ask you what advice do you have. What advice do you have for people that that are finding themselves in a situation where they're feeling undervalued where they need to where they know that they're stuck where they know that they're in a and this could be for anything this could be in their career, this could be in their mental health. Um, I view you as an expert on both of those things because you've had to do the inner work to be able to get yourself to a place where you are where you're where you're where you're at and what what advice do you have for?
1: um one ask for help and and when I say ask for help I mean talk to your friends um because we also don't talk about it We, we just don't talk about it we're we're unhappy we're stuck we internalize it um because mental health is so frowned upon not frowned upon but there's a stigma around it we don't talk to our friends or anything um Talk about it, talk as much as you can. Um, If you can get a therapist, get a therapist. There's so many resources out there to be able to talk to a a health professional. I think Talkspace is one where you can do a lot of that for free almost. Um, You gotta talk to somebody because if you don't talk it out, you're not going to make that change. It's not gonna happen. And I I really think that's one of my main key things is talk and then be willing to make the change. You, you stay stuck because you're scared of change. It's people stay stuck because they're scared of change. I was there eight years. I was scared of change. Um, horrified that I couldn't do anything else. Um, and I think really talking to people really kind of starts that and gets you to thinking for yourself. Cause you're not thinking for yourself when you're in these situations. Your that job is thinking for you. That person that your t- toxic person is thinking for you. The anything that the alcohol is thinking for you. The behavior. The behavior. You're, the not. Behavior. you're the on behavior, you're, yes.
0: you're on autopilot. Like, that's what a lot of people yes. don't realize. You are fucking on autopilot. Your brain is doing it on its own. You're waking mm-hmm. up and the program starts. You're out of bed. You go to start the coffee. You go to take a shower. You go to, you're on autopilot. And you're yeah. not, you're never, you're never slowing down. So I think, I think but asking yeah, we, for help is, is so important. I agree with you.
1: It, it's the first step. And it's, it's the first thing that led me to be able to do all this. And there's a quote. Actually, that I read this very recently. My journal is right here in front of me. On five fifteen, what was that? Like a, four days four ago. Four days ago. Um, and this is from Kevin Curry. It was on. It was in CNN, and he's actually um, he has a great app called Fit, Fit men Cook. He has a great. You should tag him in this actually because. Oh, I will. It's a great book. I just bought the book. It's a great cookbook called Fitmin Cook. But in his article, he he had contemplated suicide and um, you know was super depressed and never talked about it because of the stigma. And this is what a therapist told him: If you had the common cold, wouldn't you take some cold medicine? If you had the flu, wouldn't you go down to CVS and take something? And I've I've some sometimes people just need a little more help. There's nothing wrong with you, and that's. That's what he said, and I mean, uh, some of that was referring to medication, but I think it can refer to to asking for help. You know, if your car's broken, you take it to a mechanic. Like, you ask for help, and I, I just think we don't do it enough. And I think it's a huge, major first step.
0: I agree. Huge. One hundred percent. Huge. Russell, I, I thank you so yeah. much for being on the podcast today and talking about all the hard stuff. That was really, really great. Yeah. Do you have any parting words that you would like to leave with the listeners where they can find you? Any words of
1: wisdom? Um, I can't even remember my Instagram, um, but I'll you can it find the, it. I'll put it in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't have parting words. I just, you know, I, the, the last thing I can say is just, Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be embarrassed. Um, It's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we, every single person you walk by every single day is dealing with something and you don't know what it is. Just don't know what it is.
0: So true. It's so true. Yeah. This was great, Russell. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: And that about does it for this week on the Get the Fuck Off podcast, guys. Big thank you to Russell Barlow for being on the show. It was such a great conversation. Mental health is so under-talked about. And I'll tell you, if you guys are feeling like you need some help, please reach out to somebody. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a therapist. Reach out to a trusted colleague reach out to a mentor you can reach out to me if you're feeling stuck I am especially a great person to reach out to because I have been stuck for a long time I know what it feels like you guys can hit me up at Andy A N D E E at getthefuckoff.com or you can also visit me on my website getthefuckoff.com There you can find a lot of different articles about things that you might be dealing with. You can jump on my email list where I will send you weekly content for things that will help you get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. I talk a lot about mental health. I talk a lot about the topics that we talked about today. Uh, Just getting yourself into a good place. So until next week, guys, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate and Love every one of you. You guys take care and be safe and we'll see you really, really soon.